The way we spend our time defines who we are. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. Thank you for joining us. I would like to bring into the conversation the former chair of the Democratic Party of Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, Christopher Walton. What's up, Chris? Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Uh, it's going to be a good conversation today. Always enjoy hearing your input. Also joining us for the conversation is entrepreneur, educator, and motivational speaker, Danny Griffin. You know him very well from his time here at KBLA. What's up, Danny? Oh, man. Wonderful. Blessed to be here. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, I wanted to start with this topic because I think all of us, at least in this conversation right now, are black men and we're all affected by the Tyree Nichols situation and by the police brutality that's been happening, you know, for the entire history of this country. But today, the five former Memphis police officers pleaded not guilty to murder charges and other crimes in connection to the beating of Tyree Nichols. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, just the fact that we saw it on tape, we know that they're guilty and I know it's it's par for the course for people who are committed of crimes, even if they're even if they obviously committed them to plead not guilty. But with this video evidence, I mean, by them pleading not guilty, are they are they going to make the sentence on themselves more harsh? And what's your what's your take, Chris? Let's start with you. Well, I, you know, honestly, it's this is a bad situation all around. Um, they, of course, they're going to plead not guilty because they want to actually argue whatever the case is that they feel they could present to get them off. Um, but we've seen the tape. So you can plead not guilty, of course. We, But, you know, you, everybody in America is innocent until proven guilty by their peers. They're supposed to be anyway. But this is the situation right here where well, if you feel you're not guilty, stand up and present yourself as not guilty and leave it up to the people to decide. Yeah, so Danny, I mean, what do you think these the punishment should be for these officers? I mean, they're charged with charged with second degree murder, aggravated assault, kidnapping, official oppression, and two counts of official misconduct each. So what should their punishment be? Well, as you well know, Avi, um different jurisdictions and different states have different laws different constituents, and um, people historically are, are used to different things. Um, so being a Californian, you know, we have the strictest gun laws in the country, and we're used to a certain jurisdiction here. So I'm going to be speaking as if I've been to Memphis and i got some brothers and sisters out there indirectly. So I'm going to say uh, they need to be punished to the extent of the law, uh, whatever uh, the Memphis law is. Uh, to, to be an example, and, and, and let's take race out of it because some people are saying, uh, that these officers are being treated differently than their count white counterparts uh, for similar crimes because uh, okay? they're black. Because they're black, and uh, you know we need that same energy and we need those same uh, convictions to go across the board, regardless of race, gender, and state lines. Yeah. So if you uh, if you uh, want to chime in, ask a question, give your thoughts on any of the topics we're discussing, give us a call eight hundred nine two zero fifteen eighty. That's 800-920-1580. All right, Chris, so what do you think? I mean, would they be better off just pleading guilty in this case? I know that, you know, that's you're innocent until proven guilty in this country, but would they be better off just kind of 
trying to get some kind of deal, pleading guilty, apologizing, or or do are they? Do you think that they're better off taking their chances, pleading not guilty? Honestly, I you know I I'm not as a legal I'm not an attorney, so I can't tell them what I would be best. Um, Go ahead and give them some bad they, advice. They they deserve some bad advice. Go ahead and I, I think they're getting it already. <laughs> <laughs> they um we've seen the tape. Like we've seen the tape. Not just because we've seen the tape, we've seen we've seen a lot of tapes, and we've seen a lot of officers get off. So that doesn't necessarily right. mean you know just, we've seen the tape. We we saw what that happened in L.A. when that happened. We saw the tape and they and they got off of Rodney King. But you know they I guess they whatever legal advice they're getting from police unions or whatever Blue Lives Matter organizations are out there sending trying to get sending money. Um, the legal advice they're getting is to fight it out. They stand a better chance of fighting it out. But yeah, I mean you mentioned Rodney it, King. That that was that was thirty years ago though. I mean we did have Derek Chauvin also on tape. You know, killing right. George Floyd, and he was convicted, obviously, rightfully so. So are we in a new era? Was Derek Chauvin being convicted of killing George Floyd a one-off? Or is is the tide finally turning? Or is it because these dudes are black that they're going to get, that they have a, like a good chance to get convicted? I hope that the tides are turning. That would I definitely hope that the tides are turning and that you can get a fair trial, but also we know the realities of the justice, the criminal justice system in the United States. We know that just because you have that badge on, sometimes you are exempted. When I when I ran for the Wisconsin State Assembly, one of the things that I talked about is removing qualified immunity. And a lot of people don't know what that. If for those who don't know what qualified immunity means, is basically you are given the benefit of the doubt as a police officer in the United States. Uh, for the actions that you may take, and you are immune from civil penalties uh, such as being sued. So I go to the police department. Danny, what's your take? Uh, are, are we entering a new era of police accountability, or or, or what, what are your thoughts? Are, are, I mean, what do you think their chances are of getting off the hook for this? I think it's slim to none. Um, in our actuality, right now, they all had different, mm, different hands in the, in the killing. Uh, so, but they're all being tried with the same charges. So that should tell us how things are going now, right? So everybody did different things, but we all being it's like an accessory. I mean, that's that's kind of unprecedented. It's usually for what you did as an officer individually, right? Usually now they're being charged all together with the same exact charges. So. This case is moving quite swiftly, and it seemed like it's going in the right direction. But it also concerns me because we've had people do similar things, and it takes months, years, and people have actually gotten off. So I'm hoping that this sets the precedent and the tone, and it's just not about a race thing. And all officers that commit these heinous acts uh, be convicted to the full extent of the law. If you want to yeah. give us a call and make a comment, ask a question, the number is 800-920-1580. Let's talk to Fahima, who is calling us from Washington, D.C. What's up, Fahima? Welcome. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Great to see you, Daniel. How are you? Hi, Fahima. How are you? Good to hear your voice. 
great. I just got out of class, um, and my students actually, someone did a presentation. Um, well, let, let me just say this. The uh, shooter in Buffalo, mm-hmm. he pleaded guilty, and so he was given life imprisonment. So someone pleading guilty is not going to uh, give them a deal. Well, just just um, real quickly, I'll, I'll let you get back to it in just a second, but sometimes they do that to prevent from getting the death penalty. But go ahead, Fahima. Well, New York State doesn't have the death penalty. What ends up happening is the prosecution offers them a deal, and they say, um, if you plead guilty to this, we'll give you this. But he, he um, these guys, they were charged with second-degree murder. And I, I don't think that this is anything suspicious, Daniel, because in those cases where it takes a long time and the officers aren't charged and they're on administrative di- uh, duty, uh, the police chief generally is in cahoots with them, and, is, and they have the backing of the PBA, and that's not the case. And now one could argue the reason why they don't have the backing of the PBA is because they're black. And the chief, say, right? And the chief is also yeah, African-American, yeah, correct? Yes, she is. But let me tell you something. I don't want to say this, and I'm just saying this to you. Nobody else, I hope nobody else is listening. We won't tell anybody. She dirty, too. She dirty, too, because she had problems in Atlanta. Yeah. I understand that there was a similar unit. Yeah, it was called there the Red Dog Unit in Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And and she also she got in trouble in North Carolina, I believe. And in one of those jurisdictions, she had asked investigators not to uh question the husband of one of the police officers who was being charged with pedophilia. So she dirty too. Now, one might say, okay, maybe she's learned from her mistakes and she's turning over a new leaf, but why would she create um, this Scorpion unit just like the one that was problematic in Atlanta? Right. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to say, gentlemen, and um, I'll continue to listen. All right, thank you for... And great to see you, Daniel. Hey, great good to, to hear your voice. Thanks for the call, Fahima. Appreciate you. Let's talk to Sean in Oakland. Sean, what's up? Hey, everybody. You know, in, in this sad case, and I'm just tired of hearing about these cases of unarmed black men being killed, and women. Let's not forget about the women that have been killed as well. But to me, as a white person, uh, this is the perfect example of systemic racism. The perfect example. And and let me tell you why. Because they may be in Memphis, Tennessee, but let me tell you something. You know, obviously we know that all cops are not bad. But if you're a black cop in Tennessee trying to survive, make ends meet, to pay your bills, you better play by the rules. There are, there's a hierarchy. And if you don't play by the rules and if you don't play that game, you know, you're out. And so I'm not saying that's what happened here, but to me, with the chief and everything else and, and these being black folks, I believe this is the perfect example of why we need big time reform and until and if we we don't get uh the political um change reform like um the young man mentioned about uh qualified immunity has to go that's number 1 what a great point uh, and then get to their pocketbooks and then we'll see what happens you'll see how they treat people on the streets but i just wanted to say that 
And so, Sean, you said there's a hierarchy. What is the hierarchy? Yes. Well, the hierarchy is in this country with the police unions, right? They protect themselves. There's a code, right? Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm saying that not all police officers are bad. That is not true. But there's a union. There's serious pressure. And there's not enough um, training when you get in there. And, and the one I, I'm the biggest part of training I believe that needs to be changed is threat assessment, not de-escalation, threat assessment. And we need to take the military arms out of these police officers. Okay, we don't need to de defund anything. We need to regroup the way we train these people. They want to serve and protect and then also live in the community. All right, because that's the number one thing. You live in the community, you're going to know these personal stories much more than if you're coming from an hour away in a commute. Right. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. All right, Sean, thank you for your input. Thank you for the call. really appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Uh, well, looks like Andy uh, <laughs> might have cut you off a hair early there, that, that trigger finger there, Andy. It's all good. But uh, if you want to make a comment, ask a question, give us a call at 800-920-1580. That's 800-920-1580. And I'm glad Sean mentioned white entitlement because we have a brand new segment coming up, not quite yet, but coming up a little bit later in the hour. It's called What in the White Privilege? It's a brand new segment that you're going to hear every Friday here on KBLA Talk 1580 during the 4 o'clock hour. What in the White Privilege? Coming up a little bit later. All right, let's move on to this uh, this next story I want to talk about, and and especially with you, Chris. You've been in electoral politics, and mm -hmm. this this story about Carrie Lake. All right, she uh, she lost another court case. She lost her appeal. Uh, the Arizona Court of Appeals has rejected her challenge to the result of the Arizona gubernatorial election after she appealed to the court. Uh, and that she wanted she basically was asking the court to say that I know I got less votes than Katie Hobbs, but can you just say I'm the winner anyway? <laughs> and, and this this could actually be in the what in the white privilege segment as well. But I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she said, I know I lost by about 17000 votes, but. I'm actually the winner. And the court was like, actually, you're not. So, Chris, what are your thoughts? You know, if I had the confidence of some <laughs> of these Republicans, I, I, well, I don't, well, I guess I don't have to qualify because I won. So I just say <laughs> I won and my mommy thinks I won. So, you know, I think I won. This is a continuation of the mistake that we as a nation made in 2016. You know, Donald Trump became president, not because more people voted for him, mm -hmm. not because more people liked him, but because he won the flaw of the Electoral College. And now we are seeing this again when they replayed it again in 2020 and he lost again with the votes. It's like, well, I just this this is a perfect example for what in the white privilege. Well, I, I feel I won. Therefore, <laughs> you should just let me have it. Because I believe that, you know, I won. She clearly lost. She's great at losing. She's lost several court cases now, and she lost the initial election. But she can't believe that she lost because, you know, I can't lose. And this is the problem that we're facing right now in our democracy. 
we have literally one side of our political spectrum, either I win or you cheated. Mm. And that's just not how that's, that's not how a fair, balanced playing field is supposed to work. I remember as a kid growing up, I felt that way when I was about four or five. <laughs> but I grew up and became an adult and realized maybe I just didn't win. So I need to redouble my efforts and try again later. I, I ran, like again, I was speaking about, I ran for the Wisconsin State Assembly. I didn't win that round. That's fine. I congratulated my opponent. I wish him nothing but success. He actually just got reelected to a second term. I'm happy for him. At the same time, who am I to go and stand out in the middle of the street because I didn't, I didn't get enough people to show up and vote for me to say, well, you, I think I should have won because I thought I had better ideas. Of course I thought I had better ideas. That's why I ran. So what are the what, what are the what are the politics of this, Chris? Though I mean, is this good for her politically? Because she's considering now a run for Arizona Senate in twenty twenty four for uh, Kirsten Cinema's seat. So is, is all this election contestation going to be good for her future electoral prospects or bad? This is just going to show Arizona a little a little different, honestly. <laughs> Arizona's just out there a little bit, but... Well, I mean, I don't know. Arizona has a, a Democratic governor now and two Democratic senators. I mean, is Arizona coming around? I mean, is are they starting to, to you know, kind of realize that we don't want to roll with the, the Republicans anymore? And they're trying, and that's the beautiful thing. Like, if you look at the trend lines, Arizona, Arizona has been a little crazy, but it's trying to get out of that. It, it, Arizona doesn't want to become the next Florida, <laughs> so we can get that out of the way. But... We have to keep, you know, the majority of the people of the state of Arizona keep showing up and saying, this is not the direction we want to go. Now, either they're just hard of hearing or they're just not listening. But the Republican Party in Arizona keeps nominating these same insane folks like Carrie Lake and Blake Masters who want to overturn election results. Who am I to get in the way of the Republican Party of Arizona trying to destroy itself? So if they want to keep keep hurting themselves and keep letting Democrats win, I'm 100 percent behind this. But it's not good for democracy. We need two. We need two or more functioning, stable, sane political parties pushing the nation towards a better day. All right, let me pause we you. Let me, let me pause you right there. I want to. Uh, we have to to step aside for a quick second. But I want to pick up on that when we come forward about why do we need two functioning parties? What What if the Democrats were to just have their way? We'd have Medicare for all. You know, we'd have a Green New Deal. We'd have all these things that we say we really want in, in theory. But I want to get your take on that when we come forward, Chris. Why do we need two functioning parties when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580? Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. forward. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Happy Friday to you. We're back with our guests. We're with the former chair of the Democratic Party of Milwaukee County, Christopher Walton, and we are with entrepreneur, educator, and motivational speaker, Danny Griffin, talking about the latest headlines and political topics. And we're talking about Carrie Lake, who ran for governor of Arizona. She lost. Let's just say that again. She lost. And She's been contending ever since that she did not, in fact, actually lose, that there was foul play, that 
you know, they her people weren't really able to cast their ballots fairly and that there are all these other reasons why she quote unquote lost. But Chris, you you made the point that there need to be two competent functioning parties. Why? Because that's that's how democracy works. You know, it's not now. Don't get me wrong. I would love to wake up one day where everybody is one hundred percent in agreement with all the political purposes and issues that I believe in. That would make my life a lot easier and probably put me out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be fine with that. <laughs> but in a democracy, especially three hundred and thirty-five million people, we're not all going to agree on the same thing. I I wish, but we're not. So there's going to be a back and forth. Um, But we need to have all of us agree on the same level playing field that when we come out here and we're campaigning and we're going up against each other, we're we're fighting back and forth. On election night or whenever all of the votes are counted, the loser comes out, you concede, you wish them luck in their whatever they do with their term, and you come back in two, four, six years, whatever it takes. You come back if you feel like you had a better idea. You come back and do it again. We run it back. But as far as this current situation right now, where you have the Republicans and the conservative movement, it, it, they're not actually they're not acting like a same political party. When you have one side saying, we believe we need to make sure all of our people are taken care of and have health care, have a clean environment, have jobs to go and work, versus the other side saying, we need to ban abortions, and we need to make sure trans people don't get the same rights, and we need to ban AP black history courses, that's not a functioning, a sane functioning party. And that's why we are in the same situation right now. So, Danny, what do you think about this? Uh, this situation in Arizona. I mean, ha- have you ever on the playground growing up been playing basketball and, you know, you're playing one-on-one and the other dude scored more points than you, but you said, you know what, I actually won this game. Uh, ever any have, ever have a situation like that? Or, or you know, that's that's much, lo- much lower stakes than <laughs> the gubernatorial election in Arizona, but she's still going for it. Well, first of all, she was rejected uh, by the Arizona Court of Appeals, okay, number one, okay? Now, she wants to take it to the state Supreme Court, and they shouldn't even allow that to happen. This is a frivolous claim, and actually, I think it's four lawyers that's been working on this case, and all four lawyers have been, a complaint has been filed against those lawyers in Wisconsin and Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. And they run... uh, to take and they may get disband disbarred for this. Uh, so now we need to have uh, these judges and and different people uh, in the judicial system to start throwing this stuff out a little quicker. And these people need to be disbarred. They're going uh, city to city, state to state, filing frivolous lawsuits uh, in, in reference to voting, and not one case has been proven. I love that that point. I mean, I, I do think that these lawyers who are bringing these cases up bringing these cases to the courts need to be punished they need to be held accountable because they are knowingly committing these lawsuits or or or, um bringing forth these lawsuits when they know that they lost and they're just trying to to stir up anger and confusion 
among their base and it's it's wrong and they and the lawyers should be held accountable for that i don't know how what that looks like but but they should be and speaking of uh and speaking of republicans senator rick scott who is a senator from the state of florida has kind of taken a step back on his his attempts to get social security and medicare um i guess <laughs> Terminated is is their is their eventual goal. That's they're not they're not gonna you know they don't always say that. But his his proposal was that every federal program should be terminated after every five years and subject to congressional review. And that would have included Social Security and Medicare. But now he's saying that his proposal doesn't actually include Social Security and Medicare, just all the other federal programs. And so. This this is happening as a result of the State of the Union uh, when Joe Biden. I mean, I was I was surprised at how effectively Joe Biden kind of just cornered the Republicans into backing off of their attacks on Social Security just off the dome, just in, in the moment, kind of just say, all right, well, well, OK, well, then you guys aren't actually for taking it off there and let's stand up then. And they actually stood up. And so. This this backtrack by. Rick Scott, Chris, is this how, how I mean, we, we know they're going to eventually go back at Medicare and Social Security. And what they mm-hmm. they've always wanted is to privatize it. And, and so, you know, Social Security, how how it works is you, you pay a certain percentage of your check and that goes to people who are retired. And so when you are retired, people will support you with um, with money that they're paying. And right. And you get a certain percentage of the money that you earn. So if you're a low earner, then you're going to earn probably, you know, up to 75 percent of the of what you were making before you retired. And then that it's a sliding scale. So you make less depending on how much you made. But you're so it's kind of it's kind of a way for people who make less to have some kind of a safety net after they retire. And right. if and if this if Social Security wasn't a thing, then I think it's it's evident that there would be way more seniors who are in dire situations. They'd have we'd have more homeless seniors and more seniors who who didn't have the stability to support themselves. But Chris, do you think this is just a temporary step back for the Republican Party since they're since they were you know so ably handled by Joe Biden at the State of the Union, or or when, when do you think they're gonna? They're going to drop this facade and start attacking Social Security again. So so first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to President Biden, because everybody keeps talking about how old he is. Mm-hmm. Watch him. <laughs> this man, he, he's not new to this game. He's true to this game. He's been in it forever. And it comes, you get some experience out of that, and you know what you're doing. So shout out to President Biden on that one. But Rick Scott and the Republican Party have been, the Republican Party has been against Social Security since Social Security was put in place under Franklin Roosevelt. So this is not something new. And he, Rick Scott basically got caught again saying the quiet part out loud. And Rick Scott is Rick Scott is a mess. If you've never really got a chance to look into Rick Scott oh, yeah. in his background, yeah. uh, Florida go Florida. <laughs> and this is one of those situations. Because this, this evil genius... Whoa, whoa, hold on now, hold on now, hold on now. Let's not let's not put genius anywhere near his name. You're right. You're right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. He walked. He defrauded Medicare and walked away with three hundred million dollars in stock 
$5.1 million as a severance and $950,000 per year for a consulting contract for five years. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's to me, that's just the way that the system is set up to support rich people and, right. and, and not, not hold them accountable for their crimes. But, but, I, but you go ahead. I, I apologize for interrupting. No, you're good. You're good. And, but this man, he, he said the loud part, he said the quiet part out loud. The Republicans have consistently been trying to go after Social Security, go after food stamps, go after Medicaid and Medicare. They don't believe that the government should work. They think we should all just be off on our own in some Ayn Rand uh, fan fiction where we're all free to be poor. That's not how – the Republicans, they, so they took it out the manual today. They still left it in that every five years that everything, every piece of legislation should be recounted. So are we going to have to re-vote to have a minimum wage in the United States now? Are we going to have to re-vote every five years? And these people can't even pass a, a debt ceiling for bills they've already chalked up. So now voting rights are going to come up every five years, minimum wage every five years, clean, the Clean Air Act every five years, the Americans with Disabilities Act that comes up every five years. Yeah. Like, this this ain't good. Oh, we go we go, we go pull that part because we see man hit the, you know we hit the hot wire here, so we go take our hand off of it. But what about this other stuff too? The Civil Rights Act of 1964. That's definitely been five years since that passed. Mm-hmm. The Voting Rights Act of 1965. Definitely another one that's been five years. The EPA, the Department of Education, NASA, all these things have been in place more than five years. So now we need to vote. And he said, well, if they're worth keeping, they should be able to go vote on. We can't even agree to pay the bills that we've made. I was about to say that. <laughs> and so you want to put all this on top of the docket too? Yeah, we have we have what's probably going to end up being the most dysfunctional Congress of all time with the slim majority the Republicans have right now. And I, we have a hard time. I, I don't know what bills they're going to be able to pass in the next two years. <laughs> and they want us to be able to, to have to do like to re vote on all of these things that are that are have been proven over time and are great for the country. Uh yeah, that's that's not going to work for me and apparently it's not going to work for anybody and 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 Rick Scott is um he he's more than a mess. And if you ever if you have had a chance to see him like be interviewed Ooh. even by like friendly Republican media, they they Ooh. he I, I don't know are you not allowed to prepare for interviews in Florida because that's what it seems like <laughs> He uh, he never seems prepared for for giving a simple answer, and, and he just he can't even hold his own against his own you know his own friendly Republican media. So I'm glad that we're going to not talk about Rick Scott anymore the rest of the hour. <laughs> what we are going to talk about is uh, the new segment when we come forward. What in the white privilege? We'll, we'll be we'll be debuting that. It'll be the inaugural What in the white privilege, and we'll also. Uh, I want to, you know, ask you guys, you know, this, this sad news about Bruce Willis. You know, his acting career is over. He has, he's been diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. It's, a, it's apparently a horrible condition in which a lot of your usual functions with memory and speech and sometimes even walking are, are, uh, are challenged and sometimes completely taken away. And so in light of this news, I wanted to, to you know, just give a shout out to, to Bruce Willis and Get, ask what your your favorite Bruce Willis movie is. You know, and when we when we come forward, I'm going to get your opinion, Danny. I'm going to get your opinion, Chris. What your what your favorite Bruce Willis film is when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. 
She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. The way we spend our time defines who we are. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome to the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. I'm Avi Bernard. In hour two, we're going to have live in studio former California judge who was appointed by former Governor Jerry Brown, who is now the head of the L.A. County Justice Care and Opportunities Department, putting reimagining policing into action. We're going to talk about that in the five o'clock hour. But first, we I, I know I mentioned that we weren't going to be talking about Rick Scott anymore. And, I, and it pains me that I have to go back on that just a little bit. But I, you made such a great point during during, uh, you know, uh, the break, Danny, that I wanted to, to have you mention that to to uh, to the listeners. Why you said you love Rick Scott. Why do you love Rick Scott? So when people get exposed for being uh, for bring, being an elephant in the room, he's bringing party disunity. OK, which is not good for our democracy, but it's good to tweak it because it's showing the GOP and the Republicans at large that, hey, we got some serious holes that we need to fill here in, in our in our party. We need to repair some things. And our former president, uh, President Trump and, and the senator in Arizona, all, all of these issues are letting people know that they're having party disunity and is letting us know that we're not supposed to just congratulating and be excited that they're having issues because that's not good for our democracy. But at the same time, it's going to bring bipartisanship because what's happening now is you see people are like, wait a minute, we got to manage this social security. We got 11 years before the money runs out. We got a $5.9 trillion uh, uh, budget. You know, we got, we, they want to privatize this thing, right? They want to bring their buddies in, but we also know that the government has government bonds. They got to guarantee this stuff. So at some point, we got to sit at the table and we have to work together because if we don't work together, it's going to fall. And whether we like it or not, our seniors have to be taken care of. So people that are 51, 52, and which I fall in that age group, this is going to affect me. So now I have to be versed. I got to do research. Because when you hear Social Security in the neighborhood back in the day, you thought immediately poor, old, or something like that. But after a certain age, you got to prepare for Social Security. Mm-hmm. I worked hard for this. This is something that's due me. Mm-hmm. So I got to start preparing, right? So I got to be versed. And anything comes up with Social Security, my brothers and sisters out there, you in your 40s, early 50s, you need to start getting versed on this stuff and understand about bipartisanship and not just hate on the GOP. We need them to come to the table. We need them to be exposed within their party and be like, listen, we got some problems. We need to sit down and take care of this before it mess up our democracy, which meant up the country. So you're saying that basically Rick Scott's plan was so bad that other Republicans are saying, nah, nah, actually, nah, we don't support that. And so oh, he, no, he, actually, no, no. he actually made Democrats and Republicans agree that, that we're not, uh, oh, yeah. we're not oh, yeah. going to oh, attack yeah. Social Security. All right, so it's time for the uh, newest installment to the Friday edition of Reva Martin in Real Time. It's a segment I like to call What in the White Privilege? Who is it? It's white! All right, so we're going to be dedicating this first segment to... Wait, hit that one more time, Andy, for me. <laughs> Who is it? It's white! All right, so this first this first What in the White Privilege segment is dedicated to Fox News, of course, because Fox okay. News has been exposed like never before. CNN reports a trove of newly released text messages and emails have laid bare how the right-wing media giant operated with little regard for fact 
in the weeks and months following the 2020 presidential election. The correspondence reveals that the network's senior most executives and highest profile hosts chose not to disclose what they believed to be the truth of the election out of fear that the facts would alienate Fox News's audience and throw the highly profitable business into ruin. So they were so scared of their of telling the, their audience the truth that they would rather knowingly spread a lie. All this while they're trying to take away black history that is actually true. These are the same people who don't want quote-unquote CRT, which is not even CRT being taught. These are the same people who have a problem with basic African-American history being taught. These are the same people who are trying to get books banned, but they're allowed to peddle election lies. Because why? Because why, <laughs> Andy? It's white! Because of white privilege, and they think they can do whatever they want to do. And that is what in the white privilege. So we have a couple more minutes in this hour before we say goodbye to Christopher Walton and Danny Griffin. By the way, YouTube comments are blowing up for Danny, man. They, the people love Danny. So that's uh, always glad to have you I here. just try to keep it real, man, from a different perspective. Hey, and, and you do it, and you do that very well. All right, so with the sad news of, of Bruce Willis being diagnosed with frontal, frontal temporal dementia, I wanted to ask your opinion. I, I was looking at his IMDb. It took me like five minutes just to scroll through all of his credits just to even get from the top to the bottom without even looking at him. But I forgot he was the voice of, of the baby, Mikey, in Look Who's Talking, the 1989 movie Look Who's Talking. <laughs> he was the yeah. voice of that baby. I, I didn't even realize that to looking back at his credits. But we only have about a minute. So, Chris, what's your favorite Bruce Willis movie? That's a hard one. Um, Mikey, of course, uh, any of the diehards, mm -hmm. especially Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I got, I'm gonna go with Armageddon. Oh, oh, that's a good choice, Danny. Mm -hmm. Favorite Bruce Willis movie? Oh, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Get off the phone. <laughs> I couldn't say what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I when I was driving up here, I was thinking about this, and I, I was thinking, you know, Die Hard with a Vengeance was my favorite Die Hard because you know Samuel L. Jackson was in it, and they ended up partnering up. But then you right. mentioned Armageddon, and man, that was a good one too. And him and Ben Affleck in the No, No, You, oh, I Love You, and <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then Look Who's Talking. I'm gonna go with Look Who's Talking because I remember watching that movie as a kid, and I just I just love that movie so much. And it just kind of it made me made me feel like you know like maybe when I was a little kid I, I was secretly kind of thinking these thoughts. But but uh, Christopher Walden, the former chair of the Democratic Party of Milwaukee County, thank you very much for joining us and for your your perspective. Always appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Hey, we'll definitely have you back soon. And Danny Griffin, of course, you know you'll be back soon. Uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Avi, and God bless you on this a new opportunity for you. I appreciate you, man. We'll be talking to you real soon, so don't go too far. Uh, and in the second hour, we're going to be talking to former California judge Songhai Armstead about the L.A. County Justice Care and Opportunities Department and an event they're having this weekend that might just be a, a, a nice first step, a big first step in how we reimagine policing when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.
KBLA 1580 Santa Monica. Spicy chicken sandwich, 10-piece crispy nugs, or a medium strawberry lemonade. Pair any two for just six bucks. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Two for six dollars. This is the KBLA Sports Minute with Ray Richardson. Tiger Woods is playing in his first PGA event in seven months. The 47-year-old Woods completed two rounds in the Genesis Invitational at the Riviera Country Club here in L.A. Happy birthday wishes to Michael Jordan. MJ turned 60 today. Jordan scored 60 points or more five times in his 15-year career, four in the regular season and once in the playoffs. Jordan is the only NBA player to score 60 in a playoff game. He dropped 63 at Boston on April 20th, 1986. No debates, no speculation, just the info you need. That's your KBLA Sports Minute. I'm Ray Richardson. This sports report was brought to you by Original Taco Pete. Aaron at Original Taco Pete's. Come in today for our tasty seasoned black taco. We're at 3272 West Slauson off Crenshaw or call 323-348-4441. What we're going to do right here is go back and back. KBLA Talk 1580 is turning up the frequency in Black History Month. Be on the lookout for some familiar faces as the Metro K-Line is currently wrapped in KBLA Talk 1580. Make sure you visit the KBLA Talk 1580 online store now open for business with all kinds of fresh merch. Don't miss a single episode of The Motivator, Les Brown's month-long radio residency. You've got to be hungry. Weekdays at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. And afternoons just got real. Real people, real talk, real issues, real solutions. Be sure to check out Ariva Martin in real time on your way home weekday afternoons from 4 to 6. Turning up the frequency all Black History Month long. We're unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580, and we don't black Black down. down. Back to the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in Real Time. I'm Avi Bernard. Looking forward to this conversation with former California Judge Songhai Armstead about the LA County Justice Care and Opportunities Department. But first, re- recapping the stories you might have missed. Five former Memphis police officers pleaded not guilty to murder charges and other crimes in connection to the beating of Tyree Nichols after an alleged traffic stop in their first court appearance today. All five former officers were each indicted on one count of second degree murder aggravated assault, kidnapping, official oppression, and two counts of official misconduct. The Arizona Court of Appeals has rejected Carrie Lake's challenge to the result of the Arizona gubernatorial election. After she appealed an earlier ruling from the Superior Court, Lake had requested a declaration from the court that she, and not her opponent, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs, who won the election by 17,000 votes, Carrie Lake was requesting that she actually be declared the winner, even though she lost. And Rick Scott is backing away from from his proposal to cut Social Security and Medicare after Joe Biden so handily decimated the uh, Republican Party's argument on that at the State of the Union. And sadly, Bruce Willis has been diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. He's retired from acting and the prognosis is not good. CNN anchor Don Lemon has come under fire after saying that recently declared Republican candidate Nikki Haley is not in her prime. He said that women are in their prime in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, to which uh, 
I thought a, a, a good response to that from his co-anchor, Poppy Harlow, was, Prime for what? That's a great response, because what are you talking about, Don Lemon? But anyway, I hate that I agree with, with Nikki Haley. And she said she doesn't care about a sexist, middle-aged anchor. I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say you're a sexist, middle-aged anchor, Don Lemon, but come on. You got to do better. And, of course, this story I mentioned last hour, a Japanese justice ministry panel on Friday proposed raising the country's age of consent, which is currently among the world's lowest at just 13 as part of a major overhaul of sex crime legislation. The move to raise the age of consent to 16 is part of a package of reforms that would also clarify rape prosecution requirements and criminalized voyeurism. Japan's age of consent, the lowest among the G7 industrialized nations, has stayed unchanged since its enactment in 1907. And finally, prosecutors are trying to add an extra 25 years to R. Kelly's sentence of 30 years that he has already begun serving in New York. If this is successful, then he will not be eligible to Get out of jail until he's about 100 years old. Is he going to be alive at 100 years old? I don't know, but good luck. When we come, when we come forward, we're going to be talking to former California judge and the woman who is spearheading this new department in the L.A. County that I, I can't wait to have this conversation about reimagining police and the programs that we can put in place to to start healing the community from a lot of the trauma that we've faced, especially underprivileged black and brown communities. When we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580, welcome to the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in Real Time. I'm Avi Bernard. I'll be with you every Friday from 4 to 6. And of course, Ariva Martin will be here every Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6. I'm so excited right now to be welcoming former California judge who was appointed by Governor Jerry Brown, who is now the head of the L.A. County Justice Care and Opportunities Department, Judge Songhai Armstead. Welcome, Judge. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Yeah, and so firstly, um, I, I... don't think I used the verbiage correctly. I think I said f- retired and you're in retirement status. No, you said former. I said retired. former, but yes. you're retired. Okay, so so what's the difference between, uh, lean a little closer to that mic for me, and what's the difference between former and retired? How does it work with judges? So if you do five or more years on the bench, then you can go into retirement status. I think that um, comes from the fact that most judges start so late that they can actually go- retire after five years. Mm, okay. But not you. No, I'm not in that category. Make it very clear. Yeah, no. If anyone's watching on streaming, they can see that you're not in that category. You're, you're still yeah. very young. So, But I did over the five years. And so so you can just go back. So and... what that means is I can still officiate weddings, which is very fun. I can uh, do swearing-ins. Um, if, re- if you are a retired judge, you can go back on assignment, which means you can go back like part-time for a period um, up to a maximum number of years. I don't know. It changed a little bit over COVID. I don't know what it is now. Um, but to go back full time, I'd have to be reappointed or elected back to the bench. I'm so glad you mentioned officiating weddings because you might be you might be happy or you might be surprised to hear that Judge Songhai Armstead actually officiated my wedding, <laughs> which was a little over two years ago. 
two it was two years ago this month. My it was two one twenty one, you know, a little two one two one. Uh that was my wedding date and Judge Song High Armstead officiated my wedding. It was COVID, so there were only five yeah. people there. Right. It was me and my <laughs> wife and you and your beautiful daughter. Yes. And the photographer. Yes. That was it. <laughs> and it was great. And I you know, I I never imagined having such a good time at a wedding that no one else was at, but <laughs> but you were there, you officiated it, and I just have to give you a shout out for that. It was it was wonderful. Thank you. It was a beautiful wedding and a beautiful location and a beautiful couple. Well, thank you very much, and, and it was definitely made better by the fact that that you were there officiating with us. So, I mean, I already have this this um, appreciation for you, but now you are spearheading this LA County Justice Care and Opportunities Department. I don't think most people have heard of that. Right. Can you tell us what that is? Right. So in March of last year, the board um, created a motion that basically said, we need two new departments in the county, we think, to really focus on how do we reimagine what justice looks like. One was the Department of Youth Development, which we were able to stand up in, this, in record time. So we stood that up by July one. And the second department was Justice Care and Opportunities. So Department of Youth Development really serves those who are um, up to the age of 17. 18 and over would be Justice Care and Opportunities Department, where we serve okay. that, that population. And so wh why, why is the Department of Justice Care and Opportunities necessary? <laughs> That's such a heavy question. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's necessary well, for so... Time. Okay, great. So it's necessary for so many reasons. So one of the reasons that it's necessary is because... Um, the county of Los Angeles is humongous. I don't think people realize what it looks like. You know, my old my old uh, judicial assistant, he would go surfing and snowboarding in the same day. Like, I don't think there's very many in the same county, right? So I don't think there's very many places that you can think about that. Yeah. And when you think about the difference in sort of weather and altitude, you can also think about the difference in culture and, you know, needs and services. I mean, so the difference between, say, Santa Monica and Wrightwood, right? Or Long Beach and Lancaster, it's it's like night and day, right? And so two different cities, <laughs> right? But all within the same county. It's all within the same county. So you know, we're thinking it's about eleven million or so now, right? We used to say ten, but it's more than that. So we're gonna guess. I'm gonna say about eleven million or so people that we're trying to serve with all different needs. You know, a lot of times people look at sort of justice reform and they 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 look at a moment in time and look at a place and they say this is the way we should do it. And they may compare like Los Angeles to San Francisco, right? But San Francisco has one prosecutorial agency. They have one law enforcement agency and they have one courthouse. Wait, hold on. Let me just pause <laughs> for a second. They have one courthouse. They have one courthouse. How is how is that possible? Because San Francisco is. Not as big as people. It's a big city, right? Like Los Angeles is a big city, but we have eighty. No, yeah, we have eighty-eight cities in the in the county of Los Angeles. So it's eighty-eight cities yes. in the county of Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. How many courthouses do we have? Oof. Let's see. Do we even have a number, or is it just a lot? Yes, it's a lot. So let me tell you. So um, we have about thirty-six courthouses, and we have fifty law enforcement agencies. Fifty. As opposed to one. Yes. And so I think I've been to like seven or eight of those courthouses trying, you know, different, <laughs> trying to stay out of jury duty. But that's that was my earlier life. Now I appreciate the importance of serving jury duty and I welcome that. But yeah, thank you for saying that. Can I just give a um, those folks who want to complain about the justice system but constantly try to get out of jury duty? Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's you can't do both. Right. So right. if you want to serve and you want to see justice serve, a judge doesn't put a person in jail. A judge doesn't find a person guilty unless they they waive the right to a jury. It's the 12 folks in the mm-hmm. box and it takes all 12 to agree. Right. So if you yeah. want to see justice served, then you need to be a part of the justice system. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I realized. I was in my 20s and I was like, oh, well, I do no jury duty. And and but then you you realize that we complain about there not being enough black people on juries and it's because i think a lot of times we don't want to be on the jury and right. we don't think about the consequences of that that when you go to the courthouse when you're assigned jury duty you are going to be put on a real case right and you know it might be something crazy like murder where you have to be there for a long time where it might not but either way we're disproportionately you know arrested and charged and we're given harsher sentences when we are convicted so if we want to be involved in that process without having to be elected to anything or appointed by former Governor Jerry Brown the way you were, then we can just show up to the courthouse when we get the summons. Right. And we can be involved in that way. So, so yeah, I, I digress. But all, all of that to say, I, I definitely understand now the importance of it. But I was, I've been to a lot of the courthouses, you know, uh, in, in L.A. County in, in, in that process. But it's just it's striking to me that Two cities that you might consider similar if, you know, what, even if you live here. Right. In, in one of those cities, in, in Los Angeles and in, or in San Francisco, that they're that different in structure. And so this department, the L.A. County Justice Care and Opportunities Department, what is the main goal? I just wanted to say one other thing. So sure. you compared cities, San Francisco City and Los Angeles City, please, right? Please school me. Yeah, please. yeah. So we're talking about the county. So the just so the courthouses are when the governor appoints you to a location, he doesn't re- appoint you to San Francisco court. He appoints you to the county, right? So Los Angeles, he appoints you to the county. So you could be assigned to Los Angeles County, but you could serve in Lancaster. You could be at the mm. courthouse in you know, Long Beach. You can ha- be at the courthouse where I w- always was, which was downtown LA. You can be at the airport. You could be a lot of different places. And you don't get to choose that? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, you could, you have some say, but it's usually up to the presiding judge. At so the time. you just happened to draw downtown. You didn't get Lancaster. <laughs> you you didn't get Van Nuys. I mean, Van Nuys is actually not bad, but you didn't get like Long Beach. You happened to get downtown and some somebody has to go to Lancaster and you got downtown. I mean, that's just... That's a good draw. If, if it's if it's me talking, I would I'd want downtown if I had the choice. Not if you lived in Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> why would anybody? Never mind. Um, yeah. So okay, but uh, but continue. So why why is it? Why is this department important? What's the goal? So the goal of the department is to create a variety of services. Um, and opportunities for folks to exit the justice system, and opportunities to keep them from going into the justice system. So it's we, we, we talk about our work, our body of work through something called an intercept model, right? And so the intercept model, right, you go from zero to five. And it's really looking at zero meaning before a person even touched the justice system, what can we do in community to help a person not even go in that direction? So basically uh, an ounce of prevention is worth 10 pounds of cure. Right, that part. And then, um, you know, you can look at something like uh, actually, we started with zero zero now, but zero zero is is more like. Have you heard of Measure J? Yes. Okay, so you know Measure J. The court found it to be unconstitutional. That part I did not know. Okay, and so now the but the board doubled down, and so we have CFCI right now. So CFCI is what the board has 
what was formerly Measure J. And actually, speaking of that, we'll have a listening session, but we'll talk about that this coming weekend. There's two listening sessions, but there's one I want everybody to come out to where they can help influence where those funds go. Mm -hmm. And those funds are for um, community investment and for alternatives to incarceration. So that's zero, zero. It's those types of things. Zero are things like emergency response. So everyone should know that we have 988 now instead of 911. So if a person is in crisis, you don't have to call the police. What? Yes. Wait a second. So if you're having a situation where maybe a family member is having a mental breakdown. Yes. And you don't want to call the police because you don't want them to be murdered. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't Not happen. that that w always happens, but right. it does happen right. a lot. Right. So that's, you don't want your relative to be harmed, but you're afraid or they, they might be, you know, they're having a, a mental breakdown or some kind of episode. You can call 988. You can call 988. It's actually a national number now. Why didn't I know that? I, I don't know. How long has this been the case? <laughs> Since July 1st of last year. Andy didn't know it either. So yes. I'm, I'm guessing most people don't most know Most people this. don't know. So you can call 988 and they should connect you with the dispatcher where mental health experts should be able to respond to the call. Yes. Wow. So that was one of the things we worked on before Justice Care and Opportunity can, to <laughs> Can we work on making a commercial to where it, that runs during the Super Bowl? To where people, since this is a national number, it is that we can have that. I mean, all of the municipalities across the country can get together and, and chip in a thousand dollars and get a Super Bowl commercial that says, Look, all of the stuff we've been talking about. I mean, I'm sure that the response team is not the same in different in different cities, and some cities probably don't have the the staff that are, are able to respond. But where everyone is struggling to I'll be yeah. honest with you to build up what, yeah. what would really what we really need. But 988 is the number that we should all be calling instead of calling the police. Is anyone calling that number? Yes. Lots of people are calling the number. And and they have medical health professionals responding. They have mental health, um, mental health. That's what I mean. Yes. Yes. Um, res yes. Experts responding and, and they're trying to build it out. We're also looking at models in the county of Los Angeles where we can have peers coupled with a mental health expert, like a person who can help a person deescalate who may actually understand, you know, in addition to a medical expert to increase the number of teams that we can uh, release into the county. That is so much of what we've been talking about. And we, you know, we have the murder of Tyree Nichols, which wasn't the result of someone calling the police on him. It was a traffic stop. But that type of situation always brings up the phrase that I had in my mind when I inaccurately described what your department does when saying reimagining policing. That's not exactly what you're doing. Right. But it's it's kind of in that same library, right, right? where you are thinking of new ways to, to heal the community and, and get people the help they need. Yes. Okay. So you have an event coming up this weekend. We do. And what is the event and how is it accomplishing the goals that you've talked about right. uh, for the Justice Care and Opportunities Department? So there's so many more goals, but um, I'll tell you why this um, event is very important to me personally. It is a response to all of the violence and harm that has been happening in our community for a very long time. Um, I know we've all been mad. We've all attended protests. We've all written statements. And I, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I feel like if I'm exhausted and I have tons of resources, I can't imagine how the rest of us in the community are feeling. Um, there's also so much positive things happening in the community that we don't 
necessarily know about, right? So like, for instance, we just talked about 988. A lot of people don't know about that, right? There's a lot of folks who need to be connected to jobs. Um, my This new department where, the, where I'm um, the interim director right now is also focused on helping folks re-entering the community, right? We have tons of employers that are looking to hire those folks and giving them living wages with benefits. And so we're bringing those folks out to a, a space as well into the community where folks have been disenfranchised, right? Um, and then additionally, if you look at some of our, historically, the medical problems that so many of us that are black and brown have, it's not just our diet, it's not just our exercise, but it's also a tremendous amount of stress. The amount of stress, I have an adult male son, right? The amount of stress that you have when you worry about your kid going from place to place, right? The amount of stress you have when people are afraid of police stops, the amount of stress that people have, you know, it's not good for our bodies. So it's also about really healing and, and learning other practices that will help us, you know, be healthy and whole. So it's all of this in one place, and it's for everyone, all ages, you know, from small children. There's a whole teen section that has some really cool stuff. I wish I was a teenager. And then there's a bunch of stuff for adults, plus a lot of resources, but it's not a resource fair. Okay. So I want to get back to, to you protesting as a judge, but we'll, we'll come back to that <laughs> in a second. But you said it's all ages. I thought Jay Cod was 18 and over. So Jay Cod is 18 and over, but they're 18-year-olds and they're 60-year-olds with children, right? And so we can't just serve one, right? So for this particular— Don't bring your kids to the event. You can't just say that. Yeah. No, you can't say that. So it's for everyone. And, and you know, I also talked about our—we partner with the entire county. So at this event, there'll be 25 county agencies present, including DYD, right? Including Parks and Rec, including Arts and Culture, who serve all ages. So all of these things will be there. And DYD being the Department of Youth Development. Department of Youth Development. And so— what are some of the things that if I'm if I'm walking up or if I'm listening, um, if I if I happen to be near Magic Johnson Park, you need you to know, make yourself come to Magic Johnson Park. Not happen to be. Well, I will be there. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> if I'm someone who is listening to KBLA Talk right. 1580 right now and I'm listening to retired judge Songhai Armstead and current head of the L.A. County Department uh, or, or Justice Care and Opportunities Department. What am I you know, what what's my reasoning for going? What, what do I need to be there? So it depends on who you are. So there's different things. So if you are a person with children, right? So in the children's area, there will be everything from, um, you know, face painting, jumpers, balloon art, lawn games, field games, and art workshops. If you have teens, there's a lounge area, there's silk screening t-shirts, there's art workshops, there's rock wall, there's musical workshops. If you're a business, oh, and a skateboard park. If you're a business owner, there are people connecting with microloans on the spot. There's people providing resources. We have um, um, nonprofit legal aid services that will be there to help give you advice. If you're looking for a job, right, we have um, workshops to help you work on your resume. We have tons of employers that will be there, county employers and non-county employers. So you might be able to get a job there. You might. Yes, we would definitely. If you're a teen, Parks and Rec is hiring teens on the spot and connecting them to summer jobs. Yes. So... You have the area for the kids. You have the area for the teens, which we all know are in like their own little world. That's why you said they have a lounge area, area right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so this has been very well thought out. And there's also an expungement clinic. Yes, there is an expungement clinic. So the alternate public defender and the public defender of Los Angeles County will be there to help people with expungements. And even if they don't qualify expungements, they can help them to reduce their charges to open up more opportunities and also to help them understand their rights. Speaking of rights... Um, there will also be people helping to educate folks on voting rights. So a lot of people think once you've been incarcerated, you're no longer able to vote. That is not true. You are still able to vote unless you are physically in state prison. And we're just talking about California law right now, right? Yes, we're just talking about California because law. Because I'm still confused about what's happening in Florida. And 
I think everyone's always confused about something that's happening in Florida, but that whole thing about DeSant, the, the Governor DeSantis going back and, and you know, these people had permission to vote and now right. he's still trying to go after them and, and put them in jail for going and exercising their right. But that's, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have Governor We're DeSantis in here. We have Governor Newsom here. Yes. It's a much different place. Much different. Okay, so this is the first time yes. this event is being held, right? Correct. And so what kind of turnout are you expecting? I have no idea, but I know we have people coming on buses. So we have at least 400 people coming on buses. We have a lot of community organizations that are bringing folks out. Um, we are hoping it's from 12 to 4. So we're hoping that when folks get out of church, they have their tennis shoes in the car and they can come and do a yoga class. They can come and do line dancing. We have five DJs that are going to play. They can come and do a drumming circle. They can come and do an art workshop. They can come and get employed. And they can get free food too right that, yes that's an important point i mean even if you don't need any of this stuff and you're just hungry you can just yes. come by and right so we know folks are always hungry you know about lunchtime so we have over 1500 meals i think donated at this point 1500 1500 see i thought it was a thousand now it's 1500 yes i'm like, out of the loop <laughs> I, that is, that is. I, I keep on asking for more so they said they got they have us covered they have us covered up to 1500 at this point but the original agreement was a thousand are people allowed to get seconds um, yes, as long as everyone else has been served first. Okay. So I just, I'm, I'm just asking questions that might, that Hypothetically. People, people might be, not myself, not me. Okay, you know, got it. Just in case people were wondering, I'm trying, trying to get the information out there for everyone who, who might want to know these second things. Second breakfast, yes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Second breakfast, second lunch, dunch. All that, Leonard. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Got All it. Right. So when we come forward, we're going to ha- uh, continue this conversation with retired judge, Songhai Armstead and talk more about this this department that is providing all of these things to the community and why it's important and what else I, I, we haven't even talked about everything that they're doing yet but uh, I really want people to understand that this is free to you it's free to everyone it's free to the public all of these things we're talking about are free but we're gonna have more information on this when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. <laughs> Ariva time is the right time. More of Ariva Martin in real time when we come forward. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in real time. I'm Avi Bernard. I'm being joined by retired judge Songhai Armstead, who was appointed by Governor Jerry Brown. And just a side note on Jerry Brown, I mean... He's one of the, the best governors I think the country's ever had. I mean, just his success in, in, in building up this state. I mean, it's amazing. Yes. It, it, it's funny because he was the governor when I was born in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah, because then he went away for a while and then he went away and, he and came, came back. back. Yeah. And that's, so, what, that's one reason why I say he's one of the best ever because right. to do that and then come back and then even probably be even better than you were the first time. Yes. I mean, that I'm, just doesn't happen. I'm, in, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Yes. How did how did you end up getting appointed judge by former Governor Jerry Brown? So that's funny. I ran um, actually to be a judge. I had um, my tia, one of my aunts, um, was a judge in L.A. Um, Superior Court, and she literally called me the last day of filing, and she says, "Hey, there are no black people running for <laughs> judge, and we keep on telling you you should be a judge. You should throw your name in the hat," um, which I thought was kind of a far, you know, 
you know, a far cry to see if I could actually do that. So I did. I th- threw my name in the hat and I ran. I ran for, um, what is it, from February, which was the last day to file until the election in June. The, and then I lost in the primary by 3%, which was pretty mm. amazing considering that most people have been running for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, what year was this? Um, 2014. And to be a judge, do you have to have been a I don't know that. Yes, you have you to have been to, a lawyer, yes, right? Yes, you have to have been a lawyer yeah. for at least 10 years. Oh, so there's a there's an actual requirement that yes. you have to have been 10 years to become as an a attorney judge. to become a judge. Why yes. is that? Um, that is the state law. Um, oh, that's just the state. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. In Florida, diff- you probably don't have to have been an attorney. There, you know, it's really you interesting. Just say you want to be a judge, right? I've gone to judicial conferences, and I've learned that every state has c- completely different requirements. To be a commissioner in LA County, you only have to be a, an attorney for five years. I mean, LA in the state of California, you only have to be a, an attorney for five years. But I've gone to places where judges are actually also practicing attorneys. You're not allowed to be a practicing attorney in California. I've gone to places where you don't have to have any legal experience. And you can become a judge. Like it's it's really Florida? interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to call out any states, but anyway, it's, why not? <laughs> I mean, Are I'm you just... trying to get elected somewhere else? I mean, I, I, why not call I, them you out? Know, I'm a you know I'm representative of the government. I got so. you. I got you. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I have to ask. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably Florida. I don't know that that's a fact, <laughs> but everything eventually leads back to Florida. But okay, so so this event. There's going to be DJs there. It's it's four hours, but there are five DJs. How are there going to be DJs in different parts yeah, of so the park? So the DJs are starting at eleven thirty. So when you're rolling up, you should be able to hear the okay. sounds bumping. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> you got you got walking music playing. Yeah. I, well, I'm an LA native, and you know I always like a good time. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead. Okay. No. 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 That, that I just I was just asking about that because uh, I wasn't sure. So like they're going to be in shifts and they're going to be playing one after the other. Yes, one okay. after another. So there we actually have two stages. So one stage will be f- What is this Taste of Soul? I mean, what is going on? <laughs> you know, it's, it's What did you say? Oh, no, that's this my that's our He said yeah, the do over. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny cuz we um, you know, when I first thought about this, I actually was having a conversation just really out of distress to with two other girlfriends. Um, one of them you may know. And I was very sort of, I was just exhausted. I was frustrated. And I said, you know, we need a moment to sort of come together and heal. We need a moment to look at something else besides, um, you know, things that make us angry and depressed. We need a moment to sort of recharge. And it's funny because there is a quote, which I'm not going to say because I'll probably mess it up, um, by Audre Lorde that really talks about taking care of yourself as a like an act of resistance, right? Taking mm-hmm. care of yourself is something that we, you know, we forget to do. You know what I mean? Because we have so much many other things to do. Something that we'll get around to eventually. Yes, right, and and it doesn't and it doesn't happen. No, we drop dead on the sidewalk. We, yeah. you know, people drag our body up and put two other people in our place, and that happens every day, right? So we need a moment to actually take care of ourselves and to learn the tools to take care of ourselves because we can't take care of other people if we have nothing left, right? Yeah, that's the the whole put your mask on first thing. Yes, that part that we don't do. And so this fair is going to help people to to take care of themselves. It's to take care of themselves, but also, I mean, I think it's irresponsible to say here, you know, breathe deeply, do meditation and, you know, do a yoga class, but we're not giving you tools, right? If you're like, I need food and we don't provide food, or if you're like, I need a job and we don't give you an opportunity to have a job, right? So it's it's a little bit of both, but, you know, it's not a resource fair because those do become boring after a while when mm-hmm. people hand you a bunch of flyers. And I've also... Yeah. I've talked to, um, you know, all the, we have so many partners. The fact that we have 20 
five county agencies coming out to do this. Can you talk about some of those agencies? Yes, I can. So, I mean, we have everything from, and I, I feel like I should look at a list so I don't forget anyone, but we have the fire department, right, who will be there. They'll be hiring, and they're also our EMTs. The fire department is hiring? The fire department is hiring. You know what's interesting about the fire department? So we think about the fire department. We only think about them putting out fires. But fire department, there's fire, there's EMTs, there's forestry, right? They are over the lifeguards, which people don't know. They're over hazmat. You know, so they have all the... I didn't know any of that. They're one of the largest employers in, I think, the nation. Like, they're one of the largest employers. And so they're hiring. There's tons of jobs that you can have that's not just, you know, there's dispatch people. There's tons of different jobs you can have. So fire department will be there both providing services but also hiring and doing outreach. Um, Metro is a partner. Can we just pause real quick? Yes. We've talked about the fire department, and we're going to get to Metro next. But the fire department, do they still work nine days a week or nine days a month? Uh, <laughs> so because, see, I, I remember when I was in high school, yes, the, the fire department was was rumored to they work nine days a month and they have the rest of the month off. And I think that's because they have to like live there for that nine days. But they make a great salary, obviously. And and, you know, not that the only jobs that will be, uh, you know, at there this weekend at a healing space will be actually being living in a firehouse and nine days uh, working nine days a month but I just I was just was curious because I always thought that was amazing that that's the job and I just never wanted to do it just because I don't like fire but <laughs> is, is, is is that the case or am I just is that not how it works anymore you, I'm gonna let you ask the fire chief on Sunday <laughs> okay, okay. I don't I don't know exactly how many um, days they work but speaking of fire department mm-hmm. I want to talk about another program that we actually do within JCOD so one of my pet peeves always was that we would use our young men and women to go fight fires when we have, you know, they would they would go to Youth Authority and then they would, you know, fight fires, clear out brush, and then they would come back to society and they couldn't get a job. But they were, able, you know, and so that frustrated me that they were always good enough to be able to fight fires and, you know, help, you know, protect our state. But then when they came back, they couldn't find employment. Um, and I knew several people who that, that was their experience, and but they felt so proud about those experiences. And so... Um, our legislature and the governor signed some bills to say, you know, if you've had this experience, we need to go ahead and figure out how to get you firefighting jobs. So they, they erased some of those barriers. There's still some barriers to fully become a structural firefighter, which I'm hoping that our legislature legislators are listening so that they're working on knocking down those barriers as well. But now you can get a forestry fire job, even if you've been formally incarcerated. I love it. And, and so one of the things we're doing is that we're building a fire camp for people who are formerly incarcerated. In Calabasas, we're taking an old probation camp and we're turning it into a live-in place that they can get full. We have an MOU with the fire department now. We're bringing in an organization of people who are formerly incarcerated to come in and do the first level of training. We're bringing in service providers where people get full live-in services, any sort of things they need to help to be rehabilitated. And then we're linking them to jobs when they're done. And the fire department is one of our partners that we're doing this work with. And, and this is something that you're just starting as the head of the Justice Care and Opportunities Department. Yes, and we've already started construction. Wow, I love it. Uh, and so the event is this Sunday, February 19th, yes. noon to 4 p.m. Correct. And it is at Magic Johnson Park, right? Correct. And, you know, I, I know you may be listening from New York or Washington, D.C. or Atlanta or somewhere else in the country, but if you are in L.A., it is going to be a major event with just so many uh, resources and it's not a resource fair, but there are so many things to do right? and just ways to kind of build the community up. And so uh, what is the address if, if people don't know where, 
Magic Johnson Park is located. And I can... Um, it's 905 East El Segundo Boulevard. 905 East El Segundo Boulevard. Uh, put that into your phone. And uh, we are going to... Um, we want you to be there. And we want you to to take advantage of all of the uh, all of the the resources that are going to be there and uh, the support that's going to be there. I mean, it's just it's just um, it's amazing, and I um, I just want to rec- to commend you for kind of starting this up, and and I also want to talk about what where do we go from here? So let's say we go to the fair, we go to it's called a healing space. It is. If we go to a healing space, we love it. We get some. We get some support. We maybe get a job. We get some, and, and I forgot. There's groceries too, right? Yes, there's. There'll be a grocery giveaway as well, and and hygiene kits as well. Okay, so let's say I go. I get some groceries. I get a hygiene kit. I maybe even get a job. And then, so what? What is the next step in in Jcod's in Jcod's um, you know activities or mission? What's what are you, what are you going to be doing next? So, well, our work never stops, you know, so if you, I, I, I'm apologizing to any of my team members who are listening right now because everybody has like four jobs. So <laughs> our work never stops. So we have a variety of things that we're already building up, right? So we are, um, we just finished an RFI to bring in a consultant to help us build a workable pretrial services agency for Los Angeles County. Um, like I said, there's 50 different law enforcement agencies, right? There's a number of prosecutorial agencies. There's one DA, but there are many cities that have their own prosecutorial agency that handles misdemeanors and other things, right? So it's just too many folks to be able to get buy-in to create one system that works for everyone. And so we're we're bringing in a consultant to be able to help us design what that model looks like um, to get all the different law enforcement agencies involved, get all of the, the sheriff involved, to get the sheriff involved, all the courthouses, all the judges involved, and design a model where people can be diverted out of the justice system and giving courts an opportunity to, that's one of the reasons why I actually went into retirement status. You know, I I enjoyed being a judge. I enjoyed being able to help people. There just weren't enough opportunities for me to give people the services that I felt that they needed. There wasn't enough built out there. And so what we're trying to do is build that out in a number of different ways. And so, go ahead. You had a question? No, no, I was was just listening. And I was just going to say, I do want to get more into that when we come forward, that, that phrase you use, diverting. Yes. Diverting from the justice system and why that's so important. When we come forward with retired judge Songhai Armstead on KBLA Talk 1580. She's the real deal. In real time. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. There's no time like the present. Let's get back to more of Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Ariva Martin in Real Time. I'm Avi Bernard, and we're joined by retired judge Songhai Armstead, who is currently the head of the L.A. County Justice Care and Opportunities Department. And the it's called a healing space is the event. It's going to be this Sunday, February 19th, from noon to 4 p.m. at Magic Johnson Park at 905 El Segundo Boulevard. And so... You mentioned, or I think I heard that the State of Black LA report is going to be released. What is the State of Black LA report? So within the LA County CEO's office, there is a unit called um, ARTI, which is Anti-Racism, Diversity, and Inclusion. And they have collected data throughout the county about um, 
black LA, you know, from everything to their effects on the health, justice system, education, finances across the board. And they'll be releasing the report at this. We'll have activities outside. We'll also have activities inside. And this is one of the inside activities that we'll be having. Um, there's a couple of really exciting things happening. So that's one of them. Okay. And Tell me about this listening session. Yes. So thank you. That's the other very exciting thing. And actually, I'm going to encourage everyone to come out and stay for the listening session. Um, come and have the whole experience, but make sure you participate. First of all, we're giving $25 gift cards to Target if you come, which, which I think yeah, is pretty I mean, cool. That's that's like, well, <laughs> I, I have a nickname for Target. It's Disneyland for adults. Right. I mean, right. You, you, don't, you don't go to Target knowing what you need you go to target and let target tell you what you need (laughs) so any kind of gift card for target yes i'm here for that yes it has everything right so not a plug for target but no (laughs) no we are are not working with target on this but we have target gift what they have target gift yeah i don't have any target should be a sponsor for kbla but we'll talk about that later yeah that's that's another conversation for another day but for now conversation is getting one of those target gift cards for yourself right so in the listening session so as i said earlier um Part of Measure J, the county did the set aside, right? And so um, this will be the third year. The first year um, we set aside, not we, the county set aside $100 million. So $100 million, and it's being able to be programmed. Um, so that $100 million, whatever the programming is, the recommendations that the board has adopted, let me know if this is a little bit confusing, but for three years. So if the county said, um, this money, you know, this much goes to this nonprofit or this organization, they get that portion that's been assigned to them of the $100 million over a three-year, they get it. One year, two years, and three years—the same amount. So it's not a hundred million split over three years. It's a hundred million the first year, a hundred million. That goes so it's the actually three hundred million dollars for that first allocation. Then we had federal money from ARP, um, where we took some of that money and we added it also to this allocation. So that money is only for two years, but it's eighty-seven point six million. So the first year, the county allocated one hundred eighty-seven point six million to be allocated um, that same amount over two years for the eighty-seven point six, and then a hundred million over. Um, the same amount for three years, right? Then our second year, the county said, you know what, let's put another $100 million to this amount. So now the, the committee and the community said how this money should be spent. The board decided how it should be spent based on those recommendations. And then that $100 million also was allocated. So $100 million for the first year, the second year, and the third year. So now we're going into the third year. So in the third year, there'll be another amount that the county is going to recommend that people get repeatedly, right? So whatever the amount is. So if it's $50 million, if it's $100 million, if it's $200 million, it will be for, you know, that same amount, one year, two years, and three years, however they allocate it. And we're doing a listening session where the community can come in and say, county, this is how you should be spending this money. Mm. It should be spent for these services, whether it's youth services, whether it's adult services, whether it's for reentry services, whether it's for small business grants. The ca- the community can come in and use this opportunity. We're also doing that. So it's kind of like a town hall. It, it's it's the, it's you all that are going to be listening, where the people get to talk and express what they want. But we not only that we're collecting data, and the data goes back to a committee that makes recommendations that goes to the board, and the board so far has, for the most part, um, agreed with whatever the recommendations have been. And and you, you know, you talked about reentry programs, and so how do how do these reentry programs work? So there's so many reentry programs. So within JCOD, within JCOD, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> within JCOD, there's a number of programs. Whether whether a person is a returning citizen from jail or from prison, they can be linked to housing, case management, job training, education, etc. Okay. Yeah. So there's reentry services that do all of these things for folks re- who are returning citizens. And so we already have those programs that are that have stood up. 
where people can be connected to services. Okay, and we are uh, we're getting a lot of comments on YouTube right now, um, talking about uh, you know how excited people are for this event. And if you want to, oh, actually, we have like a minute and a half left. I was going to say give us a call at 800-920-1580. But uh, Judge Songhai Armstead, uh, any uh, thing, any last word that you wanted to part with before uh, before we say goodbye? Yes. So a couple of things. If you want to know more about JCon, it's JCOD dot lacounty.gov. It's the government. Yes. <laughs> but but the government in this case is here for you. Yes, the government is here for you. We want to partner with you. So once again, it's um, jcld.lacounty.gov. Also, we're on all social media. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at LACJCLD. Once again, at LACJCLD. And I'm at Judge Songhai, S-O-N-G-H-A-I. And so if they... If- are people like DMing you, you know, if they, is that a problem, you know? We, we will connect them to the appropriate resources. Okay. Yes. So if they say, you know, I, I had a question about this and that, you will, you're responding to DMs for this, for this period of time. For this period of time. If they, and also, we also are at um, jcod, jcld, at lacounty.gov as an email as well. And if they have a, we'll connect them to the right agency to provide them the services that they need. Well, thank you so much for coming and for putting on this event. I really, uh, I'm looking forward to going. I'm going to be there. And it's, it's amazing what you're doing for the community and keep up the good work. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I wish there were more organizations like this or departments like this in municipalities across the country. But I believe this is the first, right? Yes, it is the first. And just a shout out to the California Endowment and to Supervisor Holly Mitchell. Thank you for your support. Absolutely. Les Brown has a radio residency here on KBLA Talk 1580. It's coming up next at 6 o'clock. It's called You've Got to Be Hungry. Until next time, I'm Avi Bernard and I am gone. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.